Today, I want to talk to you about the major theme of the Bible, which is redemption. It ties it all together right from the start, from Genesis to Revelation. Being redeemed, being brought back, being restored. You know, we like those films that have that theme. We like those books. And the reason why is because it's written on our heart by God. And so when we see it in the media, when we see it in a book or Shawshank Redemption or whatever, we identify with it. And listen, I want you to see it today because it will make so much sense of the Bible if you can see this theme building. Amen? The Bible says this, and this is where I want to start today. In 1 Peter 1, For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life, handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. I want to tell you a quick story. In the 19th century, there was a guy who was walking the streets. He was a preacher, and he saw this little boy with a cage of birds. Now, you might have heard this story before because it's been told all over the world for the last 150 years. He saw this cage with the birds in, and the boy was poking the birds, pulling the feathers out. And the man said, what are you doing? Little boy, and he says, I like the way they shriek as he pulled another feather out. So the man in a hurry leant down, took out all the money out of his wallet and said, here, let me buy the birds from you. So he gives the money to the boy. The boy gives the cage of birds to the man and the man runs off with the cage. When he's a safe distance away, he opens the cage door and says, little birds, you're free. I've got a message for you today, which is that you're free. Hallelujah. That the door is open if you only walk through it. We see this theme building throughout the Bible that we're held captive by the hand of the enemy, by the hand of the devil and sin. But that Jesus came to set us free. But he came and the payment that he had wasn't money from a wallet wasn't gold or silver. It was the precious blood of Christ. It was his own blood. You see, the devil was like that boy pulling the feathers out, right? Taunting. And you've all experienced that in some way or another throughout your lifetime. And sometimes you say, look what God did to me. And yet God is the one who gave everything, who stepped down, who paid everything, not with gold or silver, but with his own life, so that you could be free. Amen? We see this scene building throughout the Bible, right from the book of Genesis. When sin came, when the problem came, the solution was presented straight away. We see that God said to the snake, the devil, the enemy, that the seed of the woman is coming He will crush your head. This is Genesis chapter 3. He says, I'll put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. God prophesied to the devil at the start of time, at the start of humanity, that the seed of the woman, a man without a human father, 
You notice that? Seed of the woman, not seed of man and woman. A man born of a virgin will come. He will destroy the works of the devil, but he himself will be killed in the process. That's what the, and that's the first time the gospel is preached in the Bible. The first time. As you go throughout the Bible, you see that whoever sins or rebels loses their rightful place. And that it's the enemy's desire, it's the desire of evil that we would lose our, our rightful place and be outside of where we're meant to be. The devil lost his place in heaven and he was cast out of heaven. Adam and Eve rebel, they lose their place in heaven. You see that this is not God's will, it's the, it's the will of the devil that we'd be outside of God's best. God tried to stop, sorry, the, the enemy tried to stop Joseph in the book of Genesis. His brothers sold him into slavery. You see this theme all time and time again. Sold him into slavery, captive in Egypt. But then throughout his lifetime becomes the ruler of Egypt or the prime minister of Egypt. That was God's plan all along. What was meant for evil, God used for good. Amen. That nation grows. They go from the family of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, and his brothers to becoming a nation of over a million people called the Israelites. And they grow up in Egypt for over 400 years. And they're not welcome there as citizens, as equal citizens. In fact, most of them are slaves to the Egyptians. And the king, Pharaoh, loves that. He loves the benefits of having this sub-nation, this sub-people to, to his own people, to serve them. And so God has an answer. He's spoken about it to Abraham. And he said that there's going to be a, re a redeemer, a restorer. And, of course, God sends Moses. Moses confronts Pharaoh, says, let my people go. Again, it's another picture. Who's Pharaoh in the story? Who does he represent? The devil, right? Pulling my people out of where they're not meant to be and restoring them to where they're meant to be, the promised land. So God comes with a redemption plan, right? A lamb is sacrificed in the process. Hello, Jesus, right? The blood is put on the doorpost. And that night they leave and they go to the, the Red Sea, and they can't get past the Red Sea. So God supernaturally opens the Red Sea when Moses raises his staff. And they go through. And just as they're going through, God closes the water and destroys Pharaoh's armies. It's a picture of what God does with us. He's bringing us out into the promised land. He's saving us. He's saving us. And in the process, he delivers us from evil. Hallelujah. He closes the door on the devil and all sin and sickness and all of that stuff. And he closes it and it's gone. That's why we baptize. Because it represents the washing away. And that you've crossed over into something else. You see that again with, jo sorry, with Joshua. Who is the next in line from Moses. He's his, his successor. He takes them not through the Red Sea this time. But through the desert. And then crosses the Jordan. Crosses the Jordan River. And just on the other side of the Jordan River is the promised land. This is the final step. 
And of course, the river is not as big as the sea, but it's still not possible to cross. So God has an answer. He sends Joshua and the Levites or the priests to stand in the water with the Ark of the Covenant, which carries the very presence of God. And the water stops. And the water stops so far back down the stream that they can walk through. Here's a question for you. Where does the water stop in the story? A town called Adam. Where did Jesus get baptized? In the Jordan River. What prevented us crossing into our promised land? Jesus did. Right? Jesus made it possible. His presence made it possible. He stopped what was flowing down to us from Adam. Hello. Sin. What does it say in that first Peter 1 scripture? The empty way of life flowing down to us. He stopped it at Adam. When you're in Christ, you're no longer in Adam, the Bible says. Hallelujah. Jesus is now the head of humanity, right? You see, humanity's lost. Humanity's under Adam. No. We're under Christ. We're in Christ. That's what it means. We're united with him. I remember once I was walking the streets and I saw an advert for the Adams family. Do you know anyone heard of the Adams family? I'm not going to sing the weird theme tune. You're all hearing it in your head. And I felt like when I was seeing that, I thought, this is the devil mocking us. This is the devil saying, you know what you are, Norwich? You're Adams family. No, we're not. We're Christ family. Hallelujah. Come on. Someone praise the Lord today. Amen. Jesus came after a history of Israel losing their place, being restored. Do you understand that? It's time and time again. And when all the little stories of the Bible, my, my daughter has a book. It's called the Jesus Storybook. Has anyone seen that? And it says on the front, every story whispers his name. And do you know what? I'd, if I could change that book, I'd change it to every story shouts his name. Right, Ruth and Boaz, Esther, Queen Esther, stopping the hand of Haman, who again is like the devil, right? Time and time again, pulled out into slavery again in exile. And then in the book of Isaiah, just as they're coming back into their freedom, into their land again, God says, but now thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, and you are mine. So what God said over the Israelites, when they rebelled against God, God did what he said he would do in the book of Deuteronomy. I will, I will disperse you into the nations. But God started to bring them back into their rightful place. And he said, fear not, for I have redeemed you. You see, we don't redeem ourselves. Do you understand that? God comes to redeem us. God is the redeemer. God is the one who restores us back to where we belong. Jesus came in fulfillment of hundreds of prophecies in the Old Testament. Hundreds of prophecies. And he's calling you today. Hallelujah. <laughs> so, right, can I answer that? I'm joking. <laughs> so, Jesus came in fulfillment of hundreds of prophecies. It wasn't random. In fact, we sometimes we think, okay... There's the Old Testament and the New Testament. But what you've got to understand, it's one continuous story. And he's the theme in all of it. 
He's the message. He's the point. All of it points to him. All of it points to him. The temple, Israel, the tabernacle, everything. It makes sense in Jesus. And Jesus came. He's the messianic king. He's the king. He's God himself becoming man. Figure that one out. Theologians, the Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit. The Son becomes a man. Fully man and fully God. Steps down. And then in Mark's gospel, he says this in Mark chapter 10. For even the Son of Man came not to, to be served, but to serve. And to give his life as a ransom for many. He came to give his life as a ransom. You see, when you're sold in slavery, you can't just leave slavery. Someone has to legally purchase you out of slavery. And Jesus said, I came and gave my life as a ransom for many. Hallelujah. It's big. Jesus answered them, and this is John 8. And if you're not sure if you're a slave, then listen to the words of Jesus. You can argue with him about it. Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. Do you see that again? Losing your place. Stay in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Hallelujah. He came to set us free and restore us to the house that we belong in. That's what he came to do. Even on the cross when Jesus was dying, he said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. He was beaten for us. He was whipped for us. Isaiah chapter 53 prophesied that he would give his life as a ransom for many. That the punishment of our, of our peace would be upon him. We only have peace with God through Jesus. The book of Isaiah says that. And so many other places in the Bible say that. And on the cross, Jesus said, it is finished. And the amazing thing about God is that by the time that that phrase was used, the it is finished phrase, it, it means so many different things at the same time. It means the price has been paid. It means a victory has been won. And even in another language, some people believe that when he said that phrase, he was also saying, my bride. And I'm going to be speaking about the bride next week. Hallelujah. This is the God we serve. This is the God who lent down to the cage that we were in. And he didn't just buy one bird or two birds. He bought the cage. Amen. He bought the field. to get that one piece of treasure. There's so many analogies. Jesus' blood purchased the whole world. Everyone should legally belong to him. But you see, when it comes to redemption, you have to make a claim on that. The price has been paid, but the claim needs to be made. And that's our part. We can just walk out the cage if we, if we wish to, if we have faith in him. In Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7, he says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, According to the riches of his grace. Hallelujah. This is the God we serve. In him we have. Present continuous. We have redemption. Through his blood. The forgiveness of sins. The forgiveness of transgressions. According to the riches of his grace. He is rich in mercy. Hallelujah. 
He is rich in mercy. This is the God we serve. Even this week, someone saying to me, I really don't like God. I feel like, you know, he's let me down. I feel like, you know what? If you knew who he was, if you knew who he was, who he's presented himself as, that he'd do anything for you. Do you understand that? There's nothing he wouldn't do. How much more can he give than becoming a man, being beaten, whipped, and dying for you? There's nothing more he can do for them. And that's all that it was needed for us to be free. And he is now risen. Hallelujah. He's risen on the third day. He's not a dead savior. He stands in heaven. He lives to save us to the uttermost. He lives to save us. To... And I want to tell you, friends, that we can sit here and say, hallelujah, praise the Lord. But what about your neighbors? What about the people you know? I was at a family get together last week and I was really sorry only yesterday hence why I'm a little bit sleepy today apologies and there were some family members there thinking even if I told them today they wouldn't listen even if I told them today I wouldn't but you know what there are people who will listen and they live across the street from you they're in your workplace they're in your family like they're around you when I got saved 16 years old I had certain family members coming out and saying, we prayed for this for years. I thought, I didn't even know you were a Christian. <laughs> like, at what point in the last, I work, I work for my certain members of my family, okay? I worked for them when I was 15 for a time. Hence why I'm sleepy, I'm joking. <laughs> Forgive me. And I work with them all the time. And they said, oh yeah been praying for you that you find the Lord. Like, you never told me about the Lord. God bless you. And you know what? The reason why they didn't do that is not because they're bad people, not because they're bad Christians, because we don't realize that we should be doing that. That we some, we've got this idea in our head that it's just me and Jesus, that it's just me and I go to church and I have, a, have my seat and I have my, and it's not. There's a whole world. Do you realize how many people die every day? Do you realize how many people die in this nation every day and they've never been told and they don't know? And yet there's a church on every corner. What a tragedy. We have a calling. We have a calling. And it's far beyond just us and Jesus. It's so universal. Jesus died for everyone who's ever lived in any generation, in any place in the world. Anywhere. Everyone you meet, everyone you talk to, is worth the value of Jesus dying for them. They've already, the forgiveness is already possible for them because it's been paid. But they don't know that you can, they can just have faith in Jesus and receive it. And there you are with them. There you are. Amen. Because listen, I'm going in a few weeks, you know that. I told you last, that week, last week, didn't I? Yeah. I consider myself a little bit of an evangelist, okay? And I say that humbly. But listen, the evangelist can't do it all. Kevin can't do it all, right? Go into all the world, preach the gospel. It's the calling of every Christian. Every Christian. Every one of you here today has a calling on your life. I wonder what my calling is, Sam. Sam, just pray for me. I want to know what my calling is. Go and preach the gospel. 
going to get into trouble for this, but praise the Lord. I'm being serious, though, because there's not much time left. Do you know what? The world is feeling something at the moment. They're feeling something. And they're trying to put their finger on what? They think it's climate change. They think it's, they think it's some kind of... And they're feeling the judgment. You know what Jesus said? In the days of Noah, so will it be in the end. The feeling that something is coming. That there's not a lot of time left. This is the phrase that even non-Christians use. We've not got long left. And I say, amen. But there's a bigger story. And it's so easy for anyone to be saved. You don't do anything to be saved. You receive what he did for you. Hallelujah. And yes, you want to serve him from that point, And you want to be good and moral and serve him. But that's not what saves you. He saved you. I want to land with this. Revelation 5. I read it earlier. This is in heaven. Remember this. We took communion today. Why did Jesus want us to take communion? Because he doesn't want us to forget. But even heaven, even heaven, he can never be forgotten throughout heaven's eternal days, we sang today. Revelation 5 and verse 9. And they, those in heaven, sang a new song saying, You are worthy to take the scroll. You are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals. Do you know what the scroll is? It's the title deed. To the earth. The title deed. Anyone bought a house? You get the title deed. Sarah, am I right? Amen. Jesus bought the title deed by his blood. You are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals. For you were slain. And by your blood, you ransomed people for God. From every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priest to our God. And they shall reign on the earth. Hallelujah. And John says this. Then I looked and heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders. The voice of many angels numbering myriads and myriads and thousands and thousands. Saying with a loud voice. Worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might, and honor, and glory, and blessing, hallelujah, for you have redeemed, for you have ransomed, come on, just sing to him to now, just, just start to talk to him, for you have ransomed us from every tribe, nation, and tongue, and you are worthy, Lord, you are worthy, Jesus, You are worthy to receive the world because you made the world and you brought the world with your blood. Come on, let the redeemed of the Lord say so today. He is worthy for he has rescued us from the hand of the foe. He is worthy. He is worthy. He's worthy of sacrifice. He's worthy of being a little awkward telling people about Jesus sometimes. He's worthy of all of it. He's always worthy. Every moment of every day, forever and ever. Why? Because he bought us for God. He bought us for God. Come on, someone clap your hands for Jesus today. Stand to your feet if you're able to. Let's just just stand to your feet if you're able to, please. We're just going to just honor the Lord today. We thank you, Lord. We thank you. You're the redeemer. You have redeemed us. We are. Oh, your beloved, we are your redeemed. Lord, you did it all for us. You have done it all for us, Lord. 
And you've done it for the world. You've done it for the world. You've done it for the ones that we don't always like, that we struggle with, whoever it is. You've done it for them. We no longer regard people according to the flesh. But we see them with the eyes of Christ. Lord, make us ministers of reconciliation. Make us ministers of redemption in this last hour, Lord. Oh God, come on, someone just start to pray and just ask God to send workers out into his harvest. Someone just pray and say, God, make me ready. Make me ready. Make me ready. Get my priorities right, Lord. Make my priorities right, Lord. Make, help me make you my priority. Your mission, your kingdom, your business. We get busy with our business. Lord, we want to get busy with your business, Lord. We want to get busy with your business, Lord. Thank you for your beautiful redemption, Lord. You have redeemed us from the hand of the foe. We're going to sing a song of response in a moment. You might have heard it before. It's called the Missionary Anthem. And it says, the harvest is ready. We have to go. We won't stop till the whole world knows. There's power in your blood to save every soul. We're not ashamed of the gospel. Can we just sing that today? Hallelujah. Just sing this as a response today. We're not just thanking God for our redemption, but we're asking God to use us to bring it to the world. Amen. Thank you, team.